Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. Welcome back to our study of the resurrection of Jesus. Denying the concept of a resurrection means Christ did not rise from the dead. And if Christ did not rise from the dead, there are several consequential theological implications. If there is no resurrection, our sins are unforgiven. If there is no resurrection, there is no eternal life. If there is no resurrection, then what's the point to the Christian faith? The resurrection of Jesus gives meaning to these important doctrines, as well as many, many more. On our last program, we left off in the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. We were talking about Paul's reason for writing on the topic of the resurrection of Jesus. And the reason is there were people among the Corinthians who were claiming that there was no resurrection of the dead at all. And on our last program, we talked about how this was by no means a new idea, that the Sadducee sect believed there was no resurrection of the dead. Pharisees believed it, the Sadducees did not. So Paul felt it was necessary to to write on the subject of Christ's resurrection because there was this notion among the Corinthians that there was no resurrection to come. That once the dead die, that's it. There is nothing that lives on beyond past the grave. The reason why this was so important was because if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. As he goes on to say in verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. So by denying a future resurrection by denying the whole idea of being raised from the dead, what these Corinthian false teachers had done was they had defeated the very very central tenet of the Christian faith. If Christ just died on the cross and his life ended there, his tomb is still occupied and he has not raised from the dead, what's the point? Why even go on? And as Paul says, this this was a central tenet to our preaching. Our preaching, its truthfulness, hinges on whether or not Christ has raised from the dead. And even more serious in verse 15, Paul says, If this is false, then we are false witnesses. And we have called upon God to be a witness to our truthfulness. That's a serious deal. What's really important in this passage is recognizing that the Corinthians weren't denying that God existed. They weren't denying Jesus. But by accepting this teaching, by embracing this notion that the resurrection of the dead isn't true, they were in essence undermining all that they had held 
to be true. Now that might seem to be a minor point, and it might seem like Paul is exaggerating this, but I don't think that's the case. If the tomb of Jesus is occupied today, if men like James Cameron, the the famous director of Titanic and other movies, if men like him who claim that they found the body of Jesus and his family, if if they're right, if they truly have found the body of Jesus, then what is the point here? Why even go on? The reason why the Christian faith is empty is because of what he says in verses 16 and 17. He reiterates his point in verse 16, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And here, once again, is another central idea. Christ was raised for our justification. His sacrifice paid for our sins on the cross. But his resurrection is what brings us into newness of life. As Paul points out in the book of Colossians chapter 2, we're united with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And and in this act of baptism, we find that our sins are cut away. In Colossians chapter 2, verse number 11, Paul says, In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. You see, at the heart of Paul's preaching was this notion that in baptism we are united with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That in that moment, in that moment when we are buried and we are raised out, We are united with that moment in time where Jesus was raised from the dead. And as he points out in verse number 11, it's in this moment that our sins are removed. They are taken away. But if Christ isn't raised, what meaning does baptism have? Are our sins truly cut away? Not if this is false. Not if the resurrection of Christ is false. If Paul and Peter and all the other men whose names are listed here in, in chapter 15 were wrong. If they were deluded, if they lied, if they were having a hallucination, then our sins still remain. And I think you would agree that if our sins remain, what is the meaning of the Christian faith? Because the Christian faith is focused on salvation. It's salvation from destruction and destruction that comes as a result of our sins. And if the very chain of events that removes that sin is found to be false, then we have no hope of gaining anything. As Paul goes on to say in verse 18, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. So there are several consequences for accepting that there is no resurrection of the dead. It makes our faith empty. It means our sins are not forgiven. And it also means that those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. They're dead. They're not living on. 
all those people that Paul talked about earlier, seen by that Jesus was seen by over 500 brethren at once, some of whom have fallen asleep, he says. Some have fallen asleep. In other words, some have died. Those that have died, believing that they had seen the resurrected Christ, they've just perished. Their life has come to an end. And as he goes on to say in verse number 19, if we only have hope in this life in Christ, we are pitiable. As I said a little bit earlier, if the only expectation we have is the same expectation of the atheist, why even live the Christian life? I mean, seriously, why deny ourselves pleasure? Why deny ourselves anything our, our impulses would lead us toward? Why give up anything? So whether or not Jesus rose from the dead is an absolutely critical point. It lies at the heart of the Christian faith. Otherwise, our faith is empty. Our sins are not forgiven. We're just going to die and we're giving up all these things for nothing. In verse number 20, Paul affirms what he was talking about in verses 1 through 8. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Paul makes it clear that Christ is risen from the dead, that all this nonsense of there being no resurrection from the dead, it makes no sense theologically. You need to reject it. He is risen from the dead, and he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, that idea of being the first fruits takes us back to the old law. The first fruits were, under the old law, the first things that were harvested. Now, we're out here in a rural area, and we understand that Harvest lasts for several weeks. You've got your early crops and you've got your late crops. Well, the same is true when it comes to the resurrection. The resurrection is often depicted as a harvest. You might remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the parable of the tares and how the tares were sown in among the wheat and how this harvest would take place at the end of the age where the Angels would separate the wheat from the tares, which represents the righteous from the unrighteous. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, never to die again. He is the early harvest, if you will. And God is sending him back later to harvest the rest of the righteous, or in other words, to raise the rest of the righteous from the dead. So Christ is the one who has gone before us. He has been raised never to die again. And those who are Christ have that same expectation. That if I follow after him, if I believe in him, then I can have that same eternal life. I can be raised to die never again. Beginning in verse 21, Paul sets up a very beautiful symmetry between Christ and Adam. And this is similar to what he does over in Romans chapter 5. He, he shows us how through Adam sin entered the world and how through Christ righteousness has entered. Here he's going to contrast how through Adam death entered the world, so too through one man, through Christ, eternal life has entered into the world. It's a beautiful parallel that Paul draws here, but unfortunately we're running out of time. Thanks for listening to The Gospel Saves. 
If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find him on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know and do His perfect will. See